I love that deal because when I was done with it, I replicated a huge chunk of my income. I was making six figures when I quit my job. It was a really difficult job to quit because of the money that was coming in. And it, it replaced a huge chunk of my income. And I don't work more than, you know, a few hours on it as opposed to 40 hours a week every month. Once now that it's all set up. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Today, I am with Pollock Shah, and what you're going to learn, if, if you're coming on to the show right now, if you're on the, on the Facebook Live and, and watching us live and in person, so coming from uh, the corporate background, Pollock was able to bring some unique skills uh, because she had to work around things that not everybody else has to always work on if you're going to be in real estate. Some people are just full-time real estate, but as she was working this full-time job, had her golden handcuffs, as you will, and she was saying, I need to find a way to uh, get into real estate, but I can't leave this job right now. So she, what she did is she figured out some strategies that helped her to be able to go from where she was and to eventually be able to uh, get to a position where she felt comfortable to exit that job. And the real estate is doing really, really well. So I wanted to bring her on the show because I know a lot of people can relate. I know a lot of people right now are in the corporate world and, uh, and they're busy. Well, you're going to need these strategies, these four strategies, how to automate things, how to systemize things, how to make it easier to actually be effective in the real estate world while you're still working that job. So welcome to the show, Pollock. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Good. And like many of my guests, I said, how do you feel about going Facebook Live? And she was like, I need it. I need to do it. It's good for me. So <laughs> we decided to not just add value on the podcast on iTunes, but actually we're on the Facebook Live dropping this value. If you're listening to this later on, on the iTunes um, or wherever you listen to podcasts, Stitcher, iHeart, um, we're on all of them. But if you are on one of those platforms, just know that if you find a way to friend me on Facebook, you can see these live and in person. So welcome, Pollock, to the show. Let's get started here. Tell me a bit about your background that I may have missed that will help us uh, with today's show. Sounds good. So, um, so my name is Pollock. Uh, I have um, two businesses, Open Spaces Capital, which is the investing side of my business, and Open Spaces Women, which is the coaching side. Um, I'm actually a mechanical engineer, and I worked in corporate for... Uh, 17 years. And then my husband and I decided to have kids in our late 30s. And um, I realized that I had it all wrong. I thought that the right thing to do was to, you know, get a degree, climb the corporate ladder, get financially stable, and then have kids and everything was going to be okay. Except the higher up you go, the less time you have for your family. So, so 
I loved my job before kids. My job was to travel the world and work with CEOs of companies to change their bottom line with this framework that we had developed. And I was always around smart people traveling different countries. It was great, except I didn't get to see my kids. So I had to find a way to still make an impact while having the flexibility and having the time that I wanted uh, to have with my kids. Got it. And that led to real estate investing. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, specifically today, Bobby, Bobby Heffington is on the Facebook live. He took the bait. He joined us on the Facebook live. He says, good morning. Cause it's eight something in the morning. Diane as well says, good morning. And uh, Jason is on the live. We got lots of hearts and thumbs up going. Thank you so much if you're watching live. And if you're watching or listening on the show later on, thank you so much for continuing to join the show. We intend to add massive amounts of value to you right now. And as Pollock was discussing, she had her kids. She was trying to figure out how, you know, even though she enjoyed her job, she enjoyed being around all these smart uh, driven people all over the world as she was traveling. She knew that she needed to really find a way to spend more time with the children and she figured it out. She hacked the system and now she's going to give it to you. Here's the four things. She's going to talk about your mindset. She's going to talk about the team, finance, and then finally she's going to talk about how you just got to start. So number one, let's talk a little bit about the mindset, Pollock. What moves the needle? Tell me what you mean there. Uh, so for me, you know, working in corporate and then trying to do this on the side initially to get started, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to make every single dollar that's out there. I wasn't going to be able to do all of the things that, you know, one needs to do if they're a full-time investor. So early on, I developed the mindset of being able to outsource whatever I could to be able to move forward. So the goal was to work on what moves the needle in the business and grow it as opposed to trying to learn every single aspect of it. So for example, so we focus on the uh, value at investing strategy now that I'm full-time investor, but in the beginning, um, I decided that the first deal I want to do is buy a property that follows the 1% rule, which means the rent should be 1% of the purchase price. And we scrape the money from tax returns and I don't know, stock options and whatnot, scrape the money to put 25% down and buy a property just to figure out if real estate investing even worked for me or for us. So that that's, you know, the mindset in that in the beginning, if you have a full-time job, you're not going to be able to do all of these things that sound really fun when you listen to investors who are full-time, but it's important to get started. I love that. And thinking a little bit on just the things that move the needle, not only is it a huge benefit for someone who's you know, brand new and kind of thinking that they want to get in, but as I look back on you know, all the years that I was going to different meetup groups and I, and I've, and I've run many meetup groups, 13 different meetup groups and seen thousands of faces at my own and at other people's. I, I look at the people that I had lunch with in the beginning. I look with at some of the people that I watched um, 
many of them just continue to come and come and come. And some of them were able to take action. And one of the things that you said was just put your mindset around something that moves the needle. And it doesn't matter where you are, if you're in the corporate world or if you are full-time real estate, what I notice is that there's a lot of people out there just doing busy work. They're running on a treadmill, if you will. They are, they're putting a lot of effort. You know, they're sweating, obviously, but they're really not going anywhere. They're doing work, but it's not the work that really moves the needle. So I think it's important on both sides to say, hey, look, all I got to do is just something that moves the needle today. If I can focus on that one thing, then I know I'm going to be going to the next level. So I love that. And the second one that you had, and again, these are four different things. Uh, Madeline says good morning as well on the, on the Facebook Live. Okay, so the second thing, um, you're talking about the team. Why is that so important, Pollock? So especially as somebody who comes from corporate, I was very big early on from, you know, taking all my skills in the corporate environment and implementing them in real estate investing, I was big early on on building systems, teams, and processes. And teams is such a big component because if you have a full-time job or if you have kids like me, like I don't have a full-time job right now, but I still want to be around my kids a lot. So building a great team becomes so important because you need boots on the ground. You cannot be everywhere at the same time. And so having relationships with people who can help you acquire properties, people who can help you uh, figure out what the construction budget is, all that becomes so important. So I'll give you an example. We, <laughs> we were in India visiting family last year, and we were still acquiring properties. Um, I worked out uh, a process with a realtor that I really liked. She was hardworking, trustworthy, I did a deal with her and I was like, this is a person I want to keep working with. So um, I worked out a process with her and what we did was we went through a couple of walkthroughs together and I showed her exactly what information I needed and how I took videos and pictures. So she knows when she goes into a property, she needs to take a picture of the electrical panel, of the utilities, of the basement, of the, you know, not just of the, the photos that are, that you usually see. Um, and so she, so the way we worked it out was when I was in India, she would go through properties, send me this information. Uh, we shared a Google Drive folder. She would send me this information. I would do overall deal analysis. And then if it worked, I would have her contact my contractor who also knew exactly what kind of renovation uh, we do. So these are rentals. We have a template set up. He knows exactly what finishes we use. And so he would go in with her and he would confirm the construction budget that I had in mind based on the photos. And then once he would confirm that, we know overall that this works. And then all of these things, because of the internet have become so easy. You can estimate the rents online. You can estimate the after repair value online. You really don't need to be there in person. So having a great team allows you to have that flexibility, whether you use it to you know, have a full-time job or to be around your kids or family, whatever you, however you decide to use that time, having a great team allows you to do that. I love that. I think building a team is so important. And I would like to ask you, 
if you can think of a time where you made a mistake in building your team, I think that could be valuable to other people listening. Can you think of a time that maybe you, you selected the wrong person or selected them at the wrong point in the, um, in the system and it kind of backfired on you or. Um, we, I, I think, I feel like team building is an ongoing process. Um, everyone has changes in their lives that impact how they work with you. Um, You know, people are going through so many different things that you're not aware of. So anytime a relationship doesn't work, I can't think of a specific example, but anytime a relationship doesn't work, it's because of something that other person is going through sometimes that you aren't even aware of. And it's important to keep it fluid and constantly keep working on systems, processes, and teams so that, you know, you, you can't just set it and forget it. You have to keep working on it so that you're aware. It's like a marriage. Of, yeah. <laughs> yes. Awesome. And Got it. Also, I, I feel like with the, sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> I, I feel like with the, with the team, there are certain people you work with that don't make money unless you do the deal. So sometimes I'll give them business somehow if I know that I've taken up a lot of their time. So it's important to keep people motivated. People are spending time doing work for you. And it's important to keep them motivated and understand the value of their time so that the relationship keeps growing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Billy Kills joined us as well. He's commenting. He's uh, liking the actionable items we're sharing. So thank you, Pollock, for being a part of today. And the third thing that we're going to talk about after one mindset, after two, your team and being able to do this virtually, even if you're in India visiting your family. Um, the third thing that you said is really important if you're going to scale this as a, with a full-time job in corporate is understanding the finance. And I, I got a quote from you that said, fortune favors the financial savvy. Is that right? Yeah. So I always say fortune favors the finance savvy. And the only way to scale this business is really understand how you're going to finance your deals. And it, in talking to a lot of new investors, I feel like there's a mental block. Like we don't want to call 90 different banks and we don't want to understand how anything works. Like we understand deal analysis, but somehow everybody has a mental block when it comes to finance. And I feel like unless you really understand how you're going to finance your deal, you're not going to be able to scale a portfolio. You can grow to a certain extent, but with your own funds, you'll stop. And leveraging is so important. And that's why finance comes into play. So I always say fortune favors the finance savvy. Just to be clear on, on when you're talking about leverage and using other people's money, do, are you talking about debt? Are you talking about equity? Are you talking about private money partners? Are you talking about banks? Um, or are you talking about all of it? What, what's I'm, kind of involved there? I'm talking about it from an overall perspective. Uh, but the two ways to separate uh, finance is, you know, you, when, when you do a deal, especially the way we do it, we do value at investing. Uh, the birth strategy, if anybody has heard of that, the buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat strategy, you need to figure out the way to finance your deals short-term. And then when you're done with it, you need to figure out how to finance them long-term. So short-term finance can be 
anything from hard money lenders um, so that you can leverage the funds that you have and and grow the portfolio. Hard money lenders, um, we haven't used private money yet, but that's also another great avenue for doing that. And then when it comes to long-term financing, there are uh, different bank options out there, everything from credit unions to nationalized, you know, the uh, low doc banks and various different options. There was a time when I set aside um, a couple of weeks and decided to call, I use the word night, I, I use the term like call 90 different banks because that's what I did. I set aside two weeks, made a giant spreadsheet called 90 different banks and just ask them questions about, hey, what are your terms? What are you looking for? And I learned the most through that process because it, it really gave me, it got me out of imagining how deals were going to work and got me into the zone of, okay, this is exactly how the numbers are going to look like. And yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm definitely, definitely um, seeing an analogy with you calling all 90 of your banks with, you know, what it looked like for me, you know, back, I, I started a handyman company in 2006, um, right after I started doing real estate investing and right before I bought my first um, multifamily, I was, I started this handyman company. And, and what I, what I'm thinking of as you're talking about how, how sometimes you use a hard money lender, sometimes you use, uh, you, people might use a private money lender or this bank or that bank or this other bank because they're all a little bit different. I think about it as different tools that I would have. Like even when I look at different screwdrivers, um, you know, some had to be a little bit smaller, some had to be thinner, some had to be thicker, some had to be longer screwdrivers or, or shorter screwdrivers. Because like, it wasn't just that you needed a screwdriver, you needed the right one that, that you could get your hand to fit in there. And I, I feel like what you're saying with all these different banks is not that they're not all completely created equally, right? They're all a little bit different and they have their, they have their place. They are a different tool that you can use for a different um, application, right? Uh, Siva Venikapalan is on, and he says, go at him. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. Um, let's see. Madeline has a question, I think. She says, this is good info. I love that quote. Um, say that quote, the fortune favors the finance savvy. Yes, fortune favors the finance savvy. Thanks, Madeline. Uh, as, as any new investor, what should I focus on and how should I educate myself in the finance aspect? So what I'm going to do, uh, Pollock, is I'm going to let you answer that question for Madeline before we go into the fourth step that you need to do to be able to exit your business, exit your, um, your corporate in the right way. So she's asking again, as a new investor, what does she need to focus on to educate herself in this finance aspect? So for me, the, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I started um, calling banks. And initially, when you start calling a bank, you don't know the right terms. You don't know the lingo, the industry lingo. No matter how many books you read, when you really apply it, there is a steep learning curve. So when you start calling banks, um, initially, you have to be completely comfortable not knowing things and just being completely honest about it. Like, hey, I'm just starting my research. I would be so thankful if you um, could explain to me your process. And 
a lot of people are really open to teaching you because they want you to be their customer. Banks are looking for people like us who need to fund their deals. So I would be completely open to, and, and that's hard to do, to be comfortable, you know, being seen as somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. It's hard, if, especially if you have a job and you're good at it. It's so hard to be comfortable with that, but just be completely open about it. And what happened is when, when I started calling the banks, in the beginning, it was hit or miss, but then I started getting my, uh, the, the pitch, the spiel, right? And then I knew how to talk to them, which was important. What were the right questions? And, and then I started learning more and more. So in the beginning, it kind of seems like you're fumbling around, but it's part of the process. Thank you for going into that. Madeline, I hope that answers your questions on what to do first to educate yourself in the finance aspect. Um, I think, like you said, Pollock, I think it really comes down to asking a lot of questions and being okay to be vulnerable um, and being okay not to sound like you know everything, but actually ask the question to different banks because even after two or three banks, you're still going to call 87 more banks. <laughs> But now you're going to have the right language as you're continuing to make those phone calls. So really, it just comes out with getting out there. And I really think that that comes into the fourth thing that you were mentioning, talking about like really just any strategy out there is better than no strategy at all. Um, so let's talk a little bit about number four, um, just starting. Right. Absolutely. I feel like that's the biggest thing uh, that, you know, in, in the beginning, when you're thinking of investing in real estate, uh, there's a term for it, analysis paralysis. It's so easy to get into that. And it's so important to decide what you're going to do and just go for it. And no, no one you know, needs to feel like if I decide something, that's what I'm stuck with for years and years. This, this is going to be your first deal, not your only deal. So I always say like, just, just start somewhere because you learn so much from it. You'll figure out if you like it, if that works for you, if, if it was as profitable as you initially planned for it to be, and then you can, you know, tweak your strategy more and more. So for me, for example, I did this because I wanted to spend time with my kids. It was a visceral need, no amount of analysis, no amount of, you know, no Excel spreadsheet, no fear of failure. Nothing was going to stop me from spending time with my kids. So I decided that my strategy had to be value at investing and having buy and holds because I was after passive income. I wanted to be able to build something, put in the effort that it would take to build something, but then overall have more time with my kids. So buy and hold strategy worked for me. So I would say, think about what kind of lifestyle you want and then build your business strategy around that lifestyle and start somewhere. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I have a, um, one of my clients that was on the call last night where I lost my voice and why <laughs> I sound raspy today. Um, we've been working on launching a podcast for her and she um, got to this analysis paralysis point uh, on the name, on the title of the podcast, which is obviously important. Um, but we all want to be so perfect if we're diving into a new podcast uh, or if we're 
getting into the real estate, you know, do I need to do fix and flip or assisted living or multifamily or single family rentals or the burst strategy or, or do I need a house hack? You know, we're, we're thinking all of these things look good. All of these titles to my podcast look good. Mm-hmm. But like, if you don't pick one, if you don't like select a title to the podcast, you'll never have a podcast episode. If you don't select just like, let's just try to take our money out of our stock uh, portfolio. Let's take our, our, our money out of our, our tax returns as Pollock did and put that 25% down in the first rental. If we don't just take action on something, we're never going to go to where we want. Is that correct? Absolutely. Do you have any strategies that really, really can help somebody get over the fear? Because I think it takes, I think it, 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 it's obviously a lot of fear for us inside before we jump into like um, doing the wrong thing. Like maybe, maybe we should get into multi, mobile home parks. I heard they were good. I heard so, storage units were good. I heard assisted living was good. I heard multifamily was good. I heard triple net lease was good. Like, do you have any strategy to like just help us get out of our own way so that we can actually do something? What would, what would you say there? Yeah, actually that's a really good question because analysis paralysis every time not just starting something right every time we try to take the next big step forward any of us can get stuck in it and so because that was happening to me again and again I actually developed a framework around it so every time I get stuck I follow these four steps I actually have four steps and I even coined an acronym around it able so a b l e to be able to get out of analysis paralysis at the risk of sounding corny, but (laughs) so the A stands for avatar. So define the avatar of the property you're going to go after. So like, for example, for me, for value at investing, I wanted to start with something small, simple, and scalable. That's what I was going to go after. So I decided I was going to go after like a three bed, one bath row home in the city. So that was my property avatar. So that's your A. The second one is B. So put your blinders on. B stands for blinders. Once you decide that there's going to be really great deals coming in all of these different kinds of properties, I would say put your blinders on and just like focus on that one thing. It's really hard to do when all of these other fun things come along. But in order to take a step forward, it's really important to focus on that one thing that you decided. And then the third letter is um, L. And L stands for leap of faith. So the third step is you have to take the leap of faith. Nothing's going to happen unless you take the first step forward. And the fourth letter is E and E stands for expectations. Um, So manage your expectations. So I would say even when, you know, you've decided everything, put your blinders on and you've taken the leap of faith, it's really important to manage your expectations because there's no matter how hard we try, we cannot avoid failure. So you manage your expectations and go in it knowing that there's going to be failures and it's important to push through them and keep moving forward. So A, B, L, E, able, follow these four steps and I do it and it works. <laughs> my, my middle name is Abel, A-B-E-L. 
And uh, so I'm going to have to maybe steal your <laughs> acronym there and just switch it around yeah. to meet me because I think that's super brilliant. Um, so if you're listening and you're saying to yourself, I really want to do something, but I'm not sure what to do. Here's the way you're going to do it. Define your avatar. That's the A. Then you're going to put on your blinders on. Do nothing but that one thing. And then take a leap of faith. Just jump in on that one thing and then uh, manage your expectations, A-B-L-E. I love it. Now, we do have a couple uh, comments on the Facebook Live. Then we're going to get into the final five questions, my favorite questions that I ask almost every guest that comes on the show. So we actually have one thing from Dev. Thank you, Dev. And then Madeline had another thing to say. And that's all I'm seeing right this second that we haven't already um, went over. So let's start with Madeline's uh, reply to what you said. And I got to find it again. She, she, she said, that's my why too, Pollock. So, she, so apparently your why and her why are the same. She says she wants to be able to create a schedule that can allow her to be at her son's basketball games. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. If, if, if that's what you're looking to do, I think today's episode's helping a lot. And then Dev has a question here. Let me read it. It has a double question mark. So let me see you on both. What made you so much motivated that you quit your full-time job and started doing what you really wanted to pursue? So question number one, what gave you the motivation to actually do what you wanted to do? And number two, uh, was there any fear for the future while you're taking that risk of quitting your full-time job? Um, yes. So I'll go into the fear first and then talk about the motivation. I was really afraid. This was not an easy step. I spent months in turmoil. So not undermining the effort it takes for anyone to be able to quit your job and take the risk and take the step forward. But there are strategies that you can use to work with the risk, right? So I always, anytime I'm taking a risk, I make an Excel spreadsheet and I write down the risk in the first column. And you then I you think of- like an engineer, you must be an engineer or something like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so okay. So I you, mean, when you're, it's time for you to take a risk. So you, you made a spreadsheet, right? Uh, an obvious choice. Keep going. <laughs> I love Excel. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a nerd. What can I say? So I, the first column has to be the risk, risks involved with the step you're taking. And then the second column, I always put a dollar amount to it. And usually a lot of us are scared of taking risks because we don't know what the outcome is with the strategy that we are trying to implement. And putting a dollar amount to it always helps me find out, hey, am I willing to risk this much money to get what I want or to learn what I would in case I fail? So that's how I manage uh, risks. And then what was the, the other question is the motivation. Uh, let me scroll in and just make sure that we're addressing them both. What made you motivated to be able to quit a job and start doing what you actually wanted to pursue? And then again, what was the way that you overcame fear? So, yeah, so for motivation, honestly, it all started during maternity leave when my first child was born, my daughter, five years ago. And 
I was just absolutely resentful. I felt like a lie had been sold to me for years and years. And society told me that I was going to have this awesome career and I was going to have a kid. And then I was going to go straight back to work two, three months later with very short maternity leaves that we have in this country, go back to work. And then I was going to be a jet setter during the day and cuddling this little baby at night. And it made me so angry because during maternity leave, I figured out that that was just way too much. And I didn't want to leave my daughter and go traveling all over the world. And I still wanted to make money and I still wanted to make an impact. And as I was saying before, I figured out that it was visceral, like every part of my body wanted to do that. It didn't matter what the spreadsheets or the numbers to, I'm an engineer, Adam was making fun of me, like I make spreadsheets for everything. But that was one thing that I just couldn't deny, no matter what the spreadsheets told me. And if you have something like that, that pulls you, that's your why. It's, it's something that no analysis will be able to um, convince you otherwise on. So that's what I would say that use that as your motivation. That was mo the motivation for me is to be able to spend time with my kids. All I wanted was time with my kids. Literally only thing I wanted. <laughs> yeah. I love that. We are going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with the final five. Do you have a website that gives you credibility and captures leads? ApartmentInvestorPro.com can help you get a professional website today. Can you build your investor list without a website? Sure, just like you can cut down a tree with a pocket knife, but why would you when you could use a chainsaw? Typically, building a professional website can be a real pain, taking thousands of dollars and months of your time. One syndicator said it took him 10 months on his own. Another had to go to three different companies before getting something usable. ApartmentInvestorPro.com makes it quick and painless. All the designs and content is already created. With 15 years of experience building websites for investors, ApartmentInvestorPro.com gives you peace of mind and lets you focus your time on finding deals and investors. These powerful websites capture contact information from your potential investors. You can even automate the follow-up process. No more letting good investor leads fall through the cracks. Save 10% on your website by going to apartmentinvestorpro.com and using promo code CREATIVE. That link is in today's show notes. Miss Pollock Shaw, my friend, what's the most creative deal you've ever done? Uh, most creative deal. We did, uh, we found three traplexes side by side um, about a year ago. And one of them had a basement apartment also. So it was like a 10 unit deal. And... Uh, I love that deal because when I was done with it, I replicated a huge chunk of my income. I was making six figures when I quit my job. It was a really difficult job to quit <laughs> because of the money that was coming in. And it, it replaced a huge chunk of my income and I don't work more than, you know, a few hours on it as opposed to 40 hours a week every month. Once now that it's all set up. And it, it really gave me perspective that it is not as hard to make money as, you know, a corporate job will lead you to believe. Yeah, I'm trying to write down this quote that you just said that I loved. Um, it replaced a huge chunk of my income. I was making six figures, but 
I only work a few hours a week on it instead of 40 hours a week. That's impressive. I just, I've, I've never really thought of it like that. I mean, I love real estate, but I never really thought of it the way that you just so eloquently placed it. Replace the whole bunch of your income by working a few hours a week instead of like a full-time job and you're still doing really, really well. It's incredible. Um, very impressive. Sandia's on. Steve Gillis is on. Uh, uh, Lucas is on. Raj is on. Jason's on. Eric's on. Thank you all for joining us. Um, we are in the final five. And question number two, Pollock Shah, what's a book you recommend? I love the book... Um... Million Dollar One Person Business by Elaine Poffelt. And the reason I love it is because when I was first getting into real estate investing, it really gave me the right perspective on how to approach real estate investing as a business as opposed to a side hustle. And as opposed to, you know, operating like a mom and pop shop, what I said earlier about, you know, working on what moves the needle and following the 80-20 rule and all that, the million dollar 1% business is what, what gave me that. Awesome. The next question I have for you is just take us back just five years ago. I think that's when you were having your first daughter and your thinking about getting into real estate. Give me a little bit more details and just where were you five years ago? What did it look like? What were you stressed about? And how did it get you to where you are now? So five years ago, around this time was the most critical time in my career switch from being a, you know, full-time corporate job person, nine to fiver to a real estate investor. This was a time when I, five years, exactly five years ago, I started realizing uh, how wrong I had it in that I was going to have this baby and go right back to work. And <laughs> I started figuring out what I was going to do to get out of it. And, and then, yeah. Oh, sorry if I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I want you to keep going. I'm, I apologize. Go, go ahead. I, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> All right. Where will you be five years from today? So I've, I've seen so much success with you. You're running that women's mastermind. You're coaching and helping a lot of women to be able to do what you're doing. Um, and you're, you've quit a six-figure job and you're at a, at a spot where you're happy. You're taking your, this six months of, of personal time where you're, uh, having a, having your, you're hiring a, a personal trainer and just really just being able to do all that. This is all amazing where you are now. I know there's a lot of people that want to be there, but let's just kind of look in another five years and just let us know what you expect to have happen five years from today. So this whole transition for me has been life-changing and I really want to help more and more parents of young children who are in corporate living that stressful life where you barely have time to come home and spend with the beautiful children that you have. I really want to help more and more people in corporate who have young children transition into financial independence and through real estate investing. And because it has worked for me and I feel like not a lot of us realize that there is an option out there. Okay. So, so I love it. So basically what I'm hearing you say is five years from now, your real goal is to help other people do what you did. Yes, absolutely. 
All right. So uh, that kind of takes away our next question. How do you give back? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely one of the ways that I give back. I also uh, volunteer my time at uh, local grassroots organizations that help uh, developers who are local to the communities uh, get into real estate investing and you know, grow the communities from within. So I volunteer my time at organi- a few grassroots organizations that are local. And I, I know there's going to be a few listeners already, tons on the Facebook and uh, probably a lot more on iTunes when, when this episode drops. But there's going to be some people that want to reach out to you, want to connect with you, want to maybe uh, inquire what happens within your coaching. Um, how do they find you? How do they get a hold of you? The best way to reach me is uh, through my website, openspaceswomen.com. You can just go to openspaceswomen.com and book a call with me um, or add me on Facebook or follow me on Instagram at openspaceswomen.com. Okay, got it. So Open Spaces Women. Oh, and I plugged it in and it's right. You're wearing that... um, that dark colored blazer with like the bright pink uh, shirt and the awesome necklace. Okay. (laughs) So that is in the Facebook already. And also those of you listening to the iTunes right now or Stitcher, iHeart, just scroll right down, scroll down and you'll find that link openspaceswomen.com. That's the way you're going to be able to get a hold of Pollock. Pollock, thank you for joining us on the show. You've added a ton of value. So grateful to know you and to, I I look forward to doing more and more with you. Um, Thank you for coming on the show. You've added an immense amount of value to a lot of people. I'm going to let you go, but until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thanks for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. If you got value out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, think outside the box.